The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Okay, if I sneeze or cough during the show, which I'm likely to do, I promise I'll cover my mouth. Okay, so you'll be fine. No mask required, no COVID test required. Hey, Steve, do you have COVID? I don't know. I've had it twice already. I don't think I have COVID. I think I have a cold. I have a head cold. I feel lousy. Uh, When I woke up this morning at like 7.30, had to go take our daughter's car over to get the brakes. When you're hoping it's just front brake pads, right? And then it comes back. Well, it's brake pads and rotors all the way around. And instead of being a few hundred bucks, it's like 800 bucks. And you're like, oh, great, super. And uh, I just felt lousy all day. But because I was gone all last week, I just really wanted to get in here and, and catch up on some of the breaking news stories that have happened in the last week or two and things that are developing. So not uh, on top of my game today, but I'll do the best that I can. But always appreciate, and don't say it often enough, uh, you being here listening, watching, wherever you happen to be. Maybe you catch the podcast after the fact. Speaking of the podcast, if you're a podcast person, then you can grab that. Apple, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, pretty much all the big ones. Uh, The podcast is there. Are we all caught up on the podcast here lately, Josh? All right, yesterday's isn't up yet, but Josh will take care of that. Uh, so if you're a podcast person, this was kind of cool late last year before I get into these different news stories. Uh, like, it must have been November. We passed. We've been podcasting for about, I think, about uh, six or seven years now. Uh, maybe six years, but we just passed uh, half a million podcast downloads, which that was pretty cool. And uh, And the wild thing about that was how many other countries besides the good old U.S. of A., uh, have taken the podcast. I, I think uh, was I showing you that, Josh? I think I was showing you that. It was wild. I think number two wasn't number two like Japan. It was so bizarre and some closed countries. So that's cool. I, I I love how the Lord can take this crazy digital media world we live in and, and reach people with these things around the world. That's pretty cool. So if you're a podcast person, there you go. It's out there or right here on Facebook or over on Rumble. And then, of course, on all of our radio stations, appreciate your time every time you're here. Uh, after all these years, I started on radio in 2007, did three years on Saturdays, which was an interesting challenge for my family. And then uh, got off the air for a few months. And then, like uh, Michael Corleone said in Godfather Part 3, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Thank you, Stu Epperson Jr. And so here I am. That was uh, February of 2011. Here we are and. March of 2023 uh, had been daily all that time. So uh, just love radio and appreciate your time. The fact that anybody listens at all, downloads at all, watches at all is pretty amazing to me. And it's very humbling. I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh talk about that and how much he values the audience. And uh, and, and to say that, the audience sounds so impersonal. impersonal. I, I, I value you, the, you as an individual. <clears throat> and the fact that you take some of your very precious time to uh, sit there and listen or watch uh, what I have to say or the people that I talk to or different conversations. Theology Thursday is always great because I always have great thinkers 
from Bob Jones University and BJU Press. Uh, Wednesday, uh, Pastor J.D. Greer about his awesome book, Essential Christianity. Those, those shows are easy uh, because I have great guests. But when it's just me, like today, I'm like, really? You want to hear what I have to say about this stuff? And I've been at it for a while. Uh, and, and yes, I'm fairly intelligent and very well informed. And, but on top of all that is I have a pretty, uh, pretty strong operational Christian worldview. Uh, which is how I filter through all the stuff that comes at me and you and everything else all the time. And that's what I do when I get on the air and talk through these stories. So let's start with this one. This will be fascinating to see what old uh, Joe Biden does with it. Oh, but before that, this was kind of funny. Uh, There was, um, oh, who did it? I think it was uh, Bill O'Reilly. Did a little story uh, about uh, Jill Biden's enormous power. Before I get to anything about Joe Biden, like his uber monstrous uh, budget proposal, plus his claim of cutting three trillion in the next ten years, which is that's like a, to say that's a drop in the bucket uh, would be incredibly generous of me, and I'm not feeling very generous today. So I'll deal with that later. This was Bill O'Reilly's uh, story of the day. He, he sends us out in his email. Uh, Jill Biden's enormous power, Bill's message of the day. So yesterday in his budget speech, a couple days ago now, uh, President Biden told us about a woman whose annual health cost is $600,000. Oh, my goodness. As the president put it, uh, $7,000 a month. Now, I'll I'll wait if if you want to use some common core math, perhaps tune back in on Monday. But if you go $7,000 a month times 12 months, $84,000 a year, a little bit shy of President Biden saying $600,000. Uh, wait, that's eighty-four grand. Bill O'Reilly writes, not six hundred thousand. No problem. Uh, Mr. Biden continued to ramble on, as the famous movie line goes. We don't need no stinking math. Again, I will tell you, says Bill O'Reilly, the most powerful man in the world does not know what he is saying. He has no clue. Gibberish is his game. The shock is millions of Americans don't care. Maybe they don't listen. More likely, they spend a lot of time on TikTok. For more than a year in his second term, President Woodrow Wilson could barely speak after suffering a stroke. Uh, That's the captain of progressivism, uh, by the way. His name, Edith, pretty much ran the country as the White House kept the situation secret. Today, Jill Biden has enormous power because her her husband is often delirious. And Mrs. Biden, like Edith Wilson, loves her position. I'm sure she does. She wants her husband to run again. But first, maybe we get a math tutor. Enjoy the weekend says Bill O'Reilly, which takes us to our first story. All right, this is going to be interesting. COVID origins bill heads to Biden's desk. Have you heard about this one? So this one has passed both the House just the other day, as well as the Senate already. Okay, so it cleared the the bill uh, requiring the director of national intelligence to declassify information on COVID-19 origins. We're going to talk a little bit about that in Pope Fauci, who's now retired. Praise the Lord. Uh, The bill passed the House with 419 votes in favor. No lawmakers voted against the bill. Those 16 uh, did not have votes recorded. The vote comes after the Senate passed the bill by unanimous consent last week. President Biden hasn't indicated he'll veto the bill, so it's expected to become law. I'll believe it when I see it. In that case, the DNI will have to declassify information on COVID-19 origins within 90 days and send us unclassified report to Congress. The bill asks officials to release details on coronavirus research performed at the Wuhan Institute of Virology before the outbreak. Activities performed by the Institute on behalf of the People's Liberation Army and researchers who fell in, in uh, ill in the fall of 2019. So this is going to be interesting, although I think the cat's already out of the bag. 
the Chinese cat is out of the bag. That's exactly where COVID came from, and it was man-made. This is Steve Noble. We'll be right back. Little did I know when I was a little boy with a toy gun because I was a big SWAT fan. Remember that back in the 1970s? This is Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show. Little did I know uh, so many years later when I became a follower of Jesus Christ. At age 28, I'm 57 now. Little did I know that I would be uh, engaged in an ongoing war. Uh, A war for the souls of men, yes, but a war over truth, over reality, over the veracity of God's word versus the, the world's opinion of itself. And that's just part of the deal. And I try to bring that here uh, five days a week on the show and then apply that to the news of the day, what's going on around us or books or what have you, and then share that with you. And hopefully that blesses you and encourages you uh, that you grow as a result or that you're challenged as a result. I just uh, hope that you are uh, a better Christian as a result of being a part of the program, better follower of Christ and more effective in this culture. By the way, on that note, uh, working our way through um, Psalms right now in the daily dose. So if, if, that's probably the the one of all the different series I've written, uh, book of Psalms. I just take one Psalm per daily dose. It's like a daily devotional. And that comes out at 1055 AM Eastern time on Monday through Friday, except the last few days when I was uh, out of town for my, our son's wedding. And we're going through the book of Psalms. So just like one Psalm at a time. And it's not that it's a little challenging. Okay. I'm on Psalm 13. Uh, I'm going to write one devotional about this. Uh, What do you do? But I've had great response to those, and and, uh, if you like the way I talk, if you like the way I do radio, that's the way I write, and the way I do devotionals as well. So you can just text the word DOSE, D-O-S-E, to 66866. That's all you need to do. Just grab your phone like you're sending a text, send the text to 66866, and the only message you need to send is the word DOSE, D-O-S-E, preferably all caps. So do that, and then you'll uh, get on the email list, and those daily doses will start showing up for you. Uh, in the book of Psalms right now, so we're going to be in there for a while because there's a lot of them, in case you didn't notice. So there's that. Okay, this COVID bit origin bill going to Biden's desk. So both the House and the Senate, it's going to declassify stuff. It has to come back to the House. And, of course, we know in the House they'll use it. In the Senate they'll probably try to suppress it or ignore it because it's going to make it pretty obvious. Sorry, Pope Fauci, that the COVID all started in the Wuhan Virology Lab where they do gain-of-function research. Uh, Thank you, Pope Fauci. Only three places on the planet that do that, two places here in America and one in Wuhan, China. And the one that's here, one of the ones in America is right down the street from me, literally in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Gain-of-function research, in case you haven't learned this yet, is they get nervous about different things hopping from the animal kingdom to the human species in terms of viruses, okay? So they're nervous about that, that that's happened here and there over time. And so... Gain of function research is okay. Well, let's let's take some of the things that we find out there. In this case, like in the bat population, and uh, let's this they've actually done this. This is just Tower of Babel gone wild. Okay, mankind gone wild. They actually are able to implant human skin on a mice, on mouse, on a mouse, and then they inject the mouse with, in this case, the virus, and try to get it to take. In a human-like sample that's been implanted on a mouse. That sounds like a science fiction movie, doesn't it? But that's what they're doing. So, so they're going to – it gains function, right? It's, it's not naturally jumping from the animal kingdom to the human species, but they make it do it. 
And then once it jumps and it takes uh, effect, then they go, okay, so this would basically be what it would look like. How do we fight this? So this is like being a time traveler going down into the future and figuring out, oh, this happens. And then you go back in time and try to keep it from happening in the first place. That's, that's what they say they're doing. And that's exactly what happened in Wuhan. Uh, that was being funded behind closed doors by Fauci, who then con- has controlled so much. I mean, literally billions of dollars of money coming out of the federal government to help a bunch of people and labs and such. And so they were playing a bunch of games. And he always denied that because he's a little liar. And uh, and so that's the, where they're trying to get this information out. And hopefully over to the House where, it, where the Republicans will do something with it. You're just waiting. I'm just waiting. Well, give me a silver bullet one of these days, please. Somebody just present a case that's obvious, easy to understand, so that it's unavoidable. And then let's just see. Here's what happened. So everybody knows it's the biggest scam in the, in, in the human history. And then all the masking stuff, which I, I shared that story from the New York Times a couple weeks ago. Even the New York Times printing a story going, yeah, all the mask stuff was bogus, didn't do anything. And so anytime you see somebody with a mask today, if they're, if they're doing it because of COVID, they're just fear-based or ignorant or both. And that's sad. I'm not making fun of them. It's just sad to me. And so we'll see what goes, goes on. But just pray for justice. That's what we need to pray for with this whole thing. And it sets us up for the next one. That's the dangerous thing about it. Sets us up for the next one. Here's another thing. This is what makes me mad about D.C. So they, they have a big party to do a signing ceremony. Kevin McCarthy signs the bill killing Biden's ESG rule for retirement plan investments. Okay, that sounds great, doesn't it? President Biden is prioritizing politics over his own people, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said, at a signing ceremony for a bill that would nullify a Department of Labor rule that allowed retirement plan investment managers to prioritize environmental or social factors, ESG, over financial benefits when making investment decisions should it pass into law. If you don't know what ESG is, uh, please take this the right way. Shame on you. This has been around enough in the last couple of years that you should at least, that should ring a bell, ESG. Environmental, social, and governance. Basically, it's like uh, China does with your social credit score. So based on what you put online, what kind of radio shows you listen to, what kind of podcasts you download, where where do you stand on environmental issues, where do you stand on inclusion, LGBTQIA, diversity, equity, and inclusion, all that kind of stuff. And then that gives a score. So now they're looking at your worldview and your political opinions and your societal opinions and factoring that in as if that's your credit score. That's what ESG does. So the Biden administration last year in December tried to sneak this thing in, uh, undoing a Trump-era uh, prior uh, federation or some kind of a uh, protection that requires fiduciaries to evaluate investments based solely on whether they enhance your retirement savings. That's what a fiduciary does. They have a responsibility. My buddy Steve Lewis was on recently. They have a responsibility to do what's in your best interest, not just what's in their own. So a lot of brokers out there will put you in, in investment things that they get a kickback on. They get a, they sell enough of these mutual funds. They get a trip to Hawaii, whatever. A fiduciary can't look out for themselves first. They have to look out for you. And so this is what Biden did. So you go, wow, great job, Kevin McCarthy. I'm so glad you're the Speaker of the House. They passed this in the House. And uh, did they pass it in the Senate? So he had a joint resolution 30, right? Is the first bill to pass both the House and the Senate. For the 118th Congress. The bill will now go to President Biden's desk. What? For approval, it will likely be vetoed. All right, so that's why you got to pay attention. What Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans want you to think is they just scored a big win. And they're taking down Joe Biden's ESG agenda. No, they're not. 
Now, they did something out of principle, which was pass it. And it's interesting that it passed in the, in the Senate as well. And they send it to Joe Biden. It's his program. And when I say his, I use air quotes because it's not really his presidency. You're not really sure whose presidency it is. Uh, but it's certainly wall-eyed left liberal. And so they're all about the ESG, the Green New Deal, all that kind of stuff. And he's just like, oh, okay, sure, fine. Uh, and so that's where it goes. But this accomplished. Here's what it accomplishes. Nothing. It accomplishes nothing. It sends a message as we stand against ESG, but it actually accomplishes nothing. So I'm not giving the Republican Party uh, a thumbs up for any of that. Nice try. If you want to control things, uh, our buddy Steve Dace, whose movie, A Nefarious Plot, comes out April 14th, by the way. We'll get Steve on the show before then. Uh, Not Your Mama's Christian Movie. Highly disturbing about demonic possession. It's fabulous. But Steve Dace has said on this show many times, he says it on his own show all the time on The Blaze, we don't live in a nation that's ruled by uh, the rule of law. You live in a nation that's ruled by political will. And you have to have the White House in these days to control it. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. Are you aware of the fact that our federal government, and this is where Biden wants to go, wants to spend $18 billion a day? $18 billion a day gets you up to about a $6.9 trillion budget proposal that Biden was talking about the other day. And then, of course, uh, that would take us to $51 trillion by 2033. Ten years from now, we'd be at $51 trillion in debt. Right now, we're at thirty-one and a half. And then the, the really funny thing about this, if I can inject a little sick humor, is that he says uh, earlier this week when he came out with his budget budget proposal and he says, hey, but we're going we're to cut the federal deficit by $3 trillion. Wow, Joe, go, baby. You go. That's awesome. You're going to cut it uh, instead of uh, – so you're going to cut it by $3 trillion over the next 10 years? Is that right? And then so – if, if we didn't do your plan, we'd be $54 trillion in debt by 2033 instead of $51 trillion. Like, what's going on there? And so it, it, he's trying to make himself sound like he pays attention to the budget and the deficit, okay? The national debt. Uh, none of these guys care. They don't care because it's not ultimately going to be their problem. Uh, Joe Biden's, you know, old as dirt. I'm younger than him. And then my kids are all between 18 and 27, and so it's going to get dumped on them. And then grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids. So all the chickens are going to come home to roost once Joe Biden and really all the leadership in Washington, D.C. is once, It's going to come home to roost after they're all dead. So they don't have to care. And they don't. And they also, most of them subscribe to modern, modern monetary policy, which I'll get to in a minute. But this is the success of Biden plan. This is just uh, one article I was looking at. The U.S. national debt will balloon by nearly $20 trillion over the next decade under the spending outlined in President Biden's $6.9 trillion budget proposal. Released yesterday under Biden's budget plan for fiscal 2024, the gross national debt would surge to nearly $51 trillion as of the year 2033, up from its current level of roughly $31.5 trillion. You know, give or take a few trillion here or there. The federal debt as a share of U.S. gross domestic product would swell to a record 110% by 2033, up from 98% this year, shattering a dubious record that has stood since the end of World War II. The portion of debt held by the American public would jump uh, $19 trillion to $43.6 trillion over the 10 years. 
A ballooning federal debt means more taxpayer dollars will go toward footing the bill for interest payments on past spending, excuse me, rather than funding necessary projects in the future. The spending projections outlined in Biden's plan are excessive, says Maya, Maya McGinnis, president of the Nonpartisan Committee for Responsible Federal Budget. Yeah, okay, well, that's one word for it. And then there's this. The White House claims the budget plan, if enacted, would reduce the federal budget deficit by nearly $3 trillion over time. Huh. Wow. That sounds great. What it means is they just figured out a way to not spend uh, $3 trillion more over the next 10 years. That's all that means. It's, it's bunk. It's, it's Barbra Streisand. It's just garbage. Say, hey, but we're, we care about the national debt. We're going to cut that by $3 trillion over the next 10 years. No, you're not. You're just not going to spend $3 trillion more than you could have. And so you say, hey, well, we, well, we could, with everything we want to do, we'd actually be at $54 trillion in 10 years. But let's, let's make all of, uh, all the, a lot of the American people, let's make them think we care about the budget and about them and their children and their children's children and so on and so forth. So instead of uh, pumping it up to $54 trillion in the next 10 years, let's only pump it up to $51 trillion, And then we can tell them we cut $3 trillion off the national, uh, the, the national debt. And that's exactly what they are doing here. So you know what, you know what that is? That's garbage as well. Thankfully, the House is controlled by the Republicans and his crazy psycho budget will go nowhere. But the Republicans the, and, and even some Democrats are not much better. They talk a big game. They rarely do anything. Spending went crazy under Trump, too. I mean, they're all guilty. Have you been paying attention to the uh, Tucker Carlson and the January 6th committee stuff? And so he's he's talking about, I read a longer article earlier today that I'm not going to share. That's just too long. But uh, Tucker Carlson brought up the fact that a lot of video is uh, doesn't have audio. But yet what they showed in some of the primetime uh, January 6th committee uh, family Christmas special series had audio, you know, kind of screaming and mayhem. And so it looks like they added the audio to video that had none. So what do you what do you call that? That's just overt manipulation. It's lying to the public. It's manipulating the public in order to uh, you take the evidence and then you reshape it in order to fit your conclusion. It's got to fit your narrative. I've said this so many times over the past few years. Ideology trumps reality. doesn't matter what reality is. doesn't matter what the truth is. You just pick your narrative. You pick your outcome. You stay with it. That, that's where we're at. That's basically the liberal politics today. It's been that way for a while, but it's particularly nasty today. And so they're out there. And, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy gave Tucker Carlson like 41,000 hours, 40,000 hours of footage. And he did three shows, I think, earlier this week on that, which has been fascinating. But I thought this uh, this article in The Federalist was funny. Top Democrat on January 6th committee. We actually didn't review any of the surveillance video. Uh, what? After Fox News host Tucker Carlson aired Capitol surveillance footage this week exposing yet more falsehood from the House Select Committee on January 6th and leaving Democrats and their media allies irate, the committee chair on Wednesday said the panel never actually analyzed the crucial footage. On Monday's edition of the Tucker Carlson Show, Fox News aired the footage of the riot on January 6th, undermining the select committee's narrative of a deadly insurrection given access to the video by McCarthy. Carlson's team reviewed over 40,000 hours of footage, which offered proof the committee manipulated audio and video to dramatize the riot for its made-for-TV hearings in an election year. But as Wednesday night statement to CNN, Select Committee Chairman Benny Thompson from uh, uh, Mississippi claimed the panel never analyzed the block footage 
blockbuster footage Fox News aired this week. I'm not actually aware, this is a direct quote, of any members of the committee who had access, Thompson said. We had a team of employees who kind of went through the video. Kind of went through the video? Wait a second. Now, according to Joe Biden... And his incredibly inept. And again, I know I sound. I'm not. I know I'm sounding ugly. I think I'm just being accurate. Jean Claire, whatever Van Dam, whatever her name is, that White House press secretary is horrible. She's remarkably uh, horrible, uh, and she she's always flipping through her three ring binder to go find the script for what she's supposed to say when she goes off of that. It, you you quickly see how uninformed she is, I, I, like borderline not even intelligent. And it's really remarkable. But she says, and, and Biden says, you know, this is the worst attack on, on America's democracy. The worst attack on America's democracy since what? Since 9-11? Uh, no. Since, uh, I don't know, World War II? Uh, no. <laughs> At that point, you should be going, what? The January 6th, quote-unquote, attack. On the, now, some people, that was an attack. Other people, that was just, hey, look, some of these doors are open. Some forced open. A lot of those just actually held open by Capitol Hill security and police and stuff. That's why the, the videos are so bizarre, because you see several different facets of what happened that day. And you go, okay, well, there's a lot of people just walking around, look like they came from a Trump rally. Now they're going on a, a tour of uh, Congress. And taking selfies. There, a lot of them staying behind the actual uh, cords, right, between the pillars. You know, they set those cords up so you can't wander. And, and uh, much of that crowd was stayed within the confines of where you would go if you had a scheduled tour. And they're all taking pictures. This is really cool. Look, we got inside the Congress. So there's a bunch of people in there that were just idiots. I know that sounds terrible, but I think it's true. But they look at it in the worst uh, – attack on American democracy in over about 150 years. Really? Really? January 6th, which I would call in many, in, in many ways a uh, kind of grown-up a panty raid. If you're my age or older, you know what I'm talking about, college, co- college campus kind of thing, uh, for a lot of them. And, some of, and, and now we have – I saw footage earlier this week of some Antifa guys in all black changing their clothes in the trees and putting on uh, Trump stuff. Okay, that's – and then Ray Epps, who they never brought in. I mean, the whole thing stinks. But it's amazing that they think that is the greatest attack on American democracy in over 150 years. No, no wrong. I mean, who says that? I mean, you, you only got two options here. Either you're like, okay, we're going to say something that we know is patently false because January 6th doesn't come anywhere near. Not anywhere near. Not, I mean, not at all. Not even in the same universe as 9-11. I mean, that... that, that to every 9-11 family affected by that nightmare, they, they, they should be so disgusted by that statement that you would compare January 6th to 9-11 in terms of an attack on American democracy or Pearl Harbor. 3,000 people died in 9-11, 2,900 people or so died in Pearl Harbor, more in 9-11 than Pearl Harbor. And, and that's in, in January 6th is worse than that. In terms of attack our democracy, they're in there for a couple hours. They clear them out. Then they go right back to the government's business of counting electoral college votes, the official ceremony that day. And they got it done that night. That was a big attack on American democracy. That's a joke. Are you kidding me? Huh. None of us pray for this nation enough. I can tell you that. It's, that's really bad. And the fact that most of the mainstream media doesn't say anything about that. They just, oh, yeah, well, there you go. 
Oh, man. Lord, help us. So bad. So bad. This is Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show. A few more things to talk about. Just trying to hold it together because I'm not feeling well at all. But I appreciate you being here. And we'll keep talking about some of these stories. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. Hope you're going to have a great weekend. Take some time off. Spend time with family and friends. Spend time in the Word. Get to a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church on Sunday. Take a break. Push away from the table of the news of the day. Because I think most of us are gluttons when it comes to that. Certainly, I can struggle with that. And uh, just enjoy the many blessings that I sh- I'm sure the Lord has given you. But I appreciate your time here today as we wrap up the week. Uh, good to be back on all, all the last week because of our son's wedding in San Francisco, which was awesome and incredible. By the way, that, that his pastor, uh, Dave Lomas at Reality San Francisco, fabulous church, actually one of the most powerful church services I've ever attended, was their Ash Wednesday service a year ago. And uh, he does, he starts every year with something called the Vision Series, uh, which I've been listening to. It's so good uh, that I've got him on the show on Monday. So Pastor Dave Lomas from San Francisco. Uh, yes, there's some great churches in San Francisco and, and as a result, some great pastors. And so I'm going to have uh, Dave on the whole show on Monday. So I'm really excited about that. He's just fabulous. So that'll be great. Um, but we'll wrap up today talking about some of these news stories. I mentioned a little bit about Pope Fauci. And uh, Fauci now mocking the former head of the CDC. Did you see all this go down? So here's a here's a story. This is at the Daily Caller. Here's the uh, headline. Is he kidding me? Fauci mocks lab leak theory censorship allegations, denies he froze out former CDC head. I mean, the guy's been lying for years, so why would you expect anything to change at this point? Dr. Anthony Fauci mocked Republican uh, Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio during a Thursday Fox News appearance and denied freezing out former CDC a director, Robert Redfield, the supporter of the theory COVID-19 leaked from the lab. Redfield testified Wednesday, just a few days ago, alleging that he was sidelined from internal discussions by Fauci for espousing the theory that COVID-19 leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It did. Fauci disputed Redfield's claim of being sidelined. He said in my own mind that he was kept out because he was of the opinion that this might be a lab leak. Half the people on the call were of the opinion that it might be a lab leak. So his rationale of why he thought he was excluded is an invalid rationale, Fauci said of Redfield. So it's really unfortunate that he made those statements. He's a good guy. How passive aggressive is that? Please. I mean, it's really unbelievable. Fauci then took uh, aim at Jordan, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, who referred to claims that Fauci was among those trying to censor discussion of the lab leak theory during a Wednesday hearing of the House Select Subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic. Jordan appeared to allege that Fauci bought off two one-time supporters of the theory with a $9 million grant. Quote, so there are 9 million reasons why they changed their mind, Jordan said during the Wednesday hearing. I almost have to laugh at that, Neil. That's totally bizarre. This is Fauci. First of all, I wasn't leaning totally strongly. One That's good English. One way or the other, I've always kept an open mind. Well, he is science. I, apparently, he's not English. I've always kept an open mind. And as the data evolved, an evolutionary virologist looked at the data. It looked more likely it was a natural occurrence from an animal reservoir. <laughs> he's about the only guy left on the planet that believes that. And he doesn't believe that. He knows. I've always kept a completely open mind. <laughs> <laughs> that it could be one or the other. 
quite frankly, the evidence weighs more likely towards one, namely a natural occurrence. Of course, that's what you want us to believe, Pope. Because you're the boy behind the whole thing. You're the one that was making sure it still got funded, gained a research, mad scientist work in Wuhan. The only question is, that's not a question that it came out of Wuhan. It is, thank you, uh, former President Trump, the China virus. There's no question about that at this point. There's no question based on gain-of-function research that it was man-made. That wasn't jumping on its own from the bat population uh, into you and me. The only question that remains is did, is did the government of China somehow get it out of the lab on purpose? Because it certainly has served well to uh, dethrone or hurt most of the world's non-communist regimes, including the United States of America. That, that's the only thing that's a question at this point, is was it leaked on purpose by the government of China? But Fauci... I mean, literally, this is the biggest scam ever perpetrated uh, perpetrated on mankind in the history of mankind. Other than Satan trying to get you to believe that you don't need to be forgiven. This one was kind of wild. So I'm going to use some frank language here. So just warning to everybody. <clears throat> and this is language that's anatomically correct. So just because I'm on Christian radio doesn't mean I can't do that. So I, I'm not doing it to have fun. I'm just trying to make sense. I'm just trying to be brutally honest here. International Women of Courage Award goes to a male. So the other day, of course, because we have a day for everything. Excuse me. Yesterday was International Women's Day in honor of the occasion. The First Lady Doctor of Education, Jill Biden, and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, co-host of the 2023 International Women of Courage Award Ceremony at the White House because Biden wanted to bring the stories of these incredible women. Note the word women. To the biggest stage we could, and that is, of course, the White House. Okay, class, real quick. If I put two homo sapiens in front of you, two human beings in front of you, and I say, hey, uh, first of all, can you identify for me uh, whether they are male or female? Excuse me. Isn't that lovely? I feel terrible. I'm blowing my nose on on the air. I should have cut that. Sorry, Josh. Sorry, everybody. Uh, Male or female? Uh, which are they? Well, you already know that 99.9% of the time, it's pretty obvious uh, from the get-go. Women look like men, women and men look like men. Okay, not too complicated. If it has to go further, because some people do choose to dress and present themselves oddly, and then you, you would go sans clothing, and then you look at biology. Do they have an innie? Were you born with an innie or were you born with an outie? And I'm not referring, obviously, to a belly button. Were you born with an innie or were you born with an outie? Do you have a man's chest? Do you have a woman's chest? This is pretty obvious stuff, right? Not anymore. And this is in our White House that they award the International Women's Day award to a man who thinks he's a woman or likes to present himself as a woman, but he's not, period, end of story. According to the official U.S. Department of State press release issued prior to the ceremony, the recipients are a group of 11 extraordinary women from around the world who are working to build a brighter future for all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but wait, d- a deeper reading of the press release than, uh, and then the ceremony itself revealed that the Biden White House duped us. Yeah, yeah, I know. Again, because one of the recipients, Alba Rueda, is a man. 
Oh, sure. Rueda, who was assigned the sex of male at birth in Argentina, but who now identifies as a woman, has had, has had or is having some medical procedures and chemical interventions and presents as a woman, but DNA is forever. Biological sex refers to the physical features of a human body. Gender identify, uh, identity refers to one's internal sense of being, which is now Trump's reality. Ideology trumps reality. You and whatever you believe to be true, Trump's truth itself. You're Pontius Pilate laughing at Jesus who presents himself as the truth. And that's what's going on here. So they give an award to a man. So whatever happened to women's rights, the, the women's movement, feminism, when uh, one of the top people in the world for a woman's award is a man. But that's the insanity of Romans 1. That's what a reprobate mind does. You, you watch it. You listen to it. You read what it writes. And you just, if you have an, a normal mind, you don't even have to be a Christian, but you just have a normal, logical mind, rational. And you'll go, that's ridiculous. Like, what's going on here? If you're a Christian and you know anything about God's word, then you'll refer to Romans chapter 1. Where mankind doesn't want to bow the knee. They know God exists. He's the 800-pound gorilla in the room. That's why I always say there's no such thing as an atheist. An atheist pretty much, I would say, is an agnostic with an attitude problem. But nobody's an atheist. Everybody knows God is real because he's made himself plain. That's what Romans 1 teaches us. And so we don't like that. And our deeds are dark. Jesus talked about that. You don't want them exposed. And so what do we do? Jump back to Romans 1. We suppress that truth. We replace it with a lie. Evolutionary theory, Darwinian evolution, which is deeply racist, by the way. Or... Uh, hey, there, there's nothing as opposed to something, whatever. You just make it up. Now you're God. Now you're the creator. And that's where we're at. And then at the end of Romans 1, they, they clap for each other. That's why Jill Biden can stand up there and hand a woman's award to a man who, if you made him take off his clothes, would be, it would be obvious. You test his DNA, it would be obvious. Hey, hey, what would you have when you were born? That's what you are. And now that makes me public enemy number one for a certain percentage of our population, which is why, again, friends, please... Myself and you as well. We all need to be in prayer for this nation, for all of our leaders, and prayer for the nation in general. But for those in authority over us, according to Scripture. <sighs> all right, something I'll talk more about in the future. I've done some shows on this in the past. David Fisher and I have talked about it. It's modern monetary theory. The funny thing about Biden, and I'll finish with this, is that he, he talks about in his budget proposal this week, you know, in 10 years, you know, yeah, we'll be at $51 trillion, but it could have been worse. We could have been at $54 trillion in, in our national debt. But that, that doesn't really matter. That's modern monetary theory. Okay? Modern monetary theory. Uh, the tenets are that debt and deficits don't matter because the Fed can monetize the debt by printing money. The Fed can just wire money directly to government contractors to pay bills. That's it. So that's, if you ever went down this road, and I did when I was a lot younger, you run up one credit card, and then you're desperate, so you get another credit card. And sometimes you'll transfer the balance, you'll or you'll pay the minimum payments of the first credit card with your second credit card. And then if you're really in bad shape, you might go to a third. And at some point, banks won't give you a credit card. Then you're toast. But if you're the federal government and you subscribe to modern monetary theory, which they do, you just get another one. You print the credit card. You make the credit card, you pay the other payment with the credit card, and then you make another one, and you make another one, and you make another one. In this case, you just print more cash, put it in the system. But eventually what you become as a result of that is Venezuela. And you go to Harris Teeter, and you get a loaf of bread, and it costs you, I don't know, $10 million. So then we make million-dollar bills. 
no big no no big deal no problem it's insanity it's all lining up nicely for the antichrist and eventually the return of christ himself which will be awesome so excited about that i hope you have a great weekend this is steve noble on the steve noble show god willing i'll talk to you again real soon and like my dad always used to say ever forward another program powered by the truth network